You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. And the hits just keep on coming. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host of Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Happy New Year, Grump, and Happy New Year to all of our loyal, faithful fans out there. We, we appreciate you, uh, you know, listening in each week. Unless you're on iTunes, we don't hear anything. <laughs> so we appreciate all, you know, your support and listening you know, throughout the year and hope you had a good holiday season. I know I was out of action last week traveling, but uh, got back in time to catch most of the game on the plane. So I will preface our conversation with I would not have 100% attention span on the game. Grump was there, so he can give a lot more. But uh, just to give you a head sight, so if it don't sound like I'm the biggest genius in the world, you know, any less than I normally am. Uh, our New Year's resolutions are, one, to figure out what the problem is with our iTunes stream of the cast, and um, two, to move the podcast to more podcast apps. Um, we'd yes, like to yes. broaden out from just uh, SoundCloud and iTunes into uh, more popular and, I guess, even less popular, but just different bases for all of you to listen on. Right, right. We... Um, we- we found that there's that there's something going on with our iTunes link, and with the holidays, I have not had the chance to investigate it yet. Uh, now we're getting back into the normal routine of, you know, going back to the rock quarry, quarry to work every day and stuff. I can we, we can get that figured out. So, in in the interim, you know, keep uh, downloading and subscribing on SoundCloud for right now, and then you can subscribe to the iTunes link. And once we have it fixed, you know, we'll be back to normal. But well, would you look at that? From the beginning of the year till now, look at how you progressed at Segways. That was just that, remarkable. That's something we have worked very hard on our Segway game. We will have a best of Segways episode in the off season <laughs> when it is, you know, which w- maybe would have been our playoff preview for the Giants, our NFC Championship game. We might just have a best of Segways show. So keep on the lookout for that. <laughs> um. But on the theme of looking back for improvements from the beginning of the year till now, uh, this was like a tale of two different uh, games, this game and week two. Obviously, it's not a perfect comparison because Dallas had absolutely nothing to play for and therefore rested some people, Um, notably Ezekiel Elliott, Tyron Smith, and Zach Martin. I don't know that it was anybody else. I know that they pulled Demarcus Lawrence fairly early in the game too. Yeah, they pulled a lot of guys in the second half. I mean... You know, one of the things we're going to talk about today is, you know, these coaches on both sides of the, of the ball, you know, for, for both teams. And I, I really shake my head at, you know, the wisdom of these coaching staffs for the Giants and the Cowboys. Um, but, yes, a lot of these guys were were bench or didn't play. So, you know, and the other thing, too, is the motivation effort. You know, I understand that these guys are playing for their jobs i understand you want to end on an upbeat but when you're eliminated i can only get so much you know that inner drive you know at some point you know subconsciously you're realizing that the season's over in 30 minutes or 20 minutes or 10 minutes so you get as much effort as you can but again this is not the same as a week two or a week 11 trying to fight for the playoffs well, let's talk about that. You want to start with the Giants' wisdom? Let's, yeah, let's start with the Giants' wisdom because obviously that's what we really care about. Um, 
one of our running themes this year, and we've had this debate a few times, is the issue of tanking. And as a fan, when do you support tanking? You know, when is it something where you look so far in the long term about tanking that you are depriving yourself of joy of actually rooting for a team to win? Now, Grump is absolutely right. He had a big tirade a few weeks ago about that, that, you know, it's your team, root for him. Why are you doing this? I understand that completely when it's week six. You know, for one and five and the season's over, and you're going to root for the next two and a half, three months for your team to lose, seem pretty hopeless. But, God damn it, week 17, season is over. You're not making the playoffs. If the difference is drafting fourth versus sixth, you know, that might mean having to give up less assets if you're trying to make a trade to move up if you want to do that. Just, you know, playing in a meaningless game, I get it. Saquon Barkley was Superman and had all these amazing highlights and everybody was kissing his ass. But what if he tears an ACL in week 17? Uh, I think you're flirting with two different topics there. (laughs) I am. I am. But my point is that we'll get back to tanking. I don't understand why this coaching staff was trying to win this game. And when, you know, when you're at week 17, the at the end of year one of an administration of a GM and a head coach where it's in the team's best interest to probably lose and do the best you can to secure the best assets possible going forward. Well, I think you're tinkering with two different discussions, and I think that it's it's important to separate them. I think okay. your pregame, your let's see, your your game preparation is something that you want to take into account that the season is over. It's week 17, and what I mean by that is I don't care. I I mean, this is hypothetical. I don't really know the background. None none of us do, actually, but I don't care how badly Odell Beckham wants to go on the field. You'd make him rest. That's part of it. You know, if you decide that you don't want to risk Saquon Barkley to injury, you rest him. You know, and then that's, you know, an internal conversation, and I agree with that. However, once it's game time, I think you never coach to lose. Now, whichever players you decide to put on the field for a meaningless game, that is a separate conversation, and I I agree with you. You don't play guys like Beckham who have an injury but probably could go if this were the playoffs were on the line or, you know, Barkley's a star player. Um, He gets hit a lot, and then it's the nature of his position and how – how integral he is to the offense, how much he touches the ball. You want to sit him. Okay, fine. That I agree with. And um, I do question the wisdom of having Barkley touch the ball so much. Whatever. But I think once you make the decision to put guys in the field, you always coach to win. You know, the, the GM's job is to worry about the draft. The head coach's job is to win. And I don't care if the season is over because at the end of the day, when they look at the coach's record, they're looking at the record. And they're able to say, Hugh Jackson had one win in two years. Now, they can get into the trivialities later of that one win was in a meaningless season or, you know, win number six was, that doesn't really count because whatever. But it comes down to saying how much you've won. And I think those are two separate things. I think you coach to win the game, period, once once that, that clock starts. Whatever game prep you have, 
you know, that's something different. And and I think when you think about the draft, it's all before the game and it's all after the game. It's not during the game. You're not thinking about mm-hmm. the draft. At least from the head coach's standpoint, the GM is different. Yeah, I mean, that's I I, I understand your point, but you know, nobody's making a decision like on the head coach if they're going to keep him or get rid of him based on one game. I mean, no, I, no, no, I, no, no, no. I mean, it's I'm cumulative. Not, I'm, not even talking about, I'm not even talking about Shermer. Shermer's not even in that category right now. But you hear a lot of times, well, he's coaching to save his job on Sunday. Or, you know, he needs this game to win. He can't lose this. That's a bunch of bullshit. Nobody, nobody evaluates based on one game, whether that is – you know, if a coach loses, he's getting fired. If they win, they, they, they're going to keep him. Um, it's not based on, wow, I saw this quarterback in a bowl game. My opinion has changed on him. It's over a collective body of work. So I don't – I almost feel like – and you may tell me I'm completely crazy on this – that Pat Shermer to me for this year has always seemed in – press conferences, interviews, and even some of the decisions he makes in a game as a very defensive guy. Like someone that, you know, doesn't have that internal confidence of like, well, this is what I'm doing and that's the way it's going to be. And I almost feel like winning a game like this is something where it's more important for him than it is for anything else. You know, you beat Dallas in week 17, and I get it as a fan – you're supposed to be like, well, that's great. We beat Dallas. F you guys. But it's like, who cares? It's, you know, it, I understand it's you're beating your rival and you want to beat them, but they're going to the playoffs. They're not trying in this game. It's like, what did you really win? I don't know. I, to me, that's yeah. a slippery slope of thinking. I mean, who cares about anything then? I mean, why yeah. do you why do you draw the distinction at week 17 and not last week? They're mathematically out of it last week. Who gives a shit, right? I don't like that that line of thinking. I, I agree that it sometimes Pat Shermer has seemed defensive, and maybe this was you know a little bit for him. But I think as a as a first year head coach, you know, in a long time, uh, and this is probably the first time he's had a real opportunity at a job. I mean, taking over the Browns is definitely a <laughs> three year job at least, and he was given one and a half years maybe. I mean, really, with new ownership, uh, new GM right. taking over it, in his second year is really a complete a complete mess. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and I, you know, maybe it is a little bit defense. That's fine. I, I mean, I don't. I guess I don't really care about that. I think part of it is also as a first year coach, and you know, with this organization, it's important for him to make sure that guys are continuing to buy in. I don't think it looks good from a player standpoint seeing your coach not give a shit at any point. Well, also too. And, and I know you don't mean not give a shit. You know, you know what I mean. I, I yeah, think, but, th- I, I, but think about those players though for a minute though. They're, they're going to fall into one or two categories. One, there's going to be a lot, large part of this roster is not going to be here next year. So the opinions of a lot of these players are irrelevant to me. And two, players aren't stupid. They know that this team needs to be significantly upgraded. You know, guys who are going to have a long future on this team: the Saquon Barkleys, the Beckhams. You know, they want to see this team better as well. And they know, you know, they know the business of the NFL. You always hear, well, it's a business when they're, you know, work, when they go free agency or they, they're holding out for a contract. So they're not as stupid as you think. They know, you know, if us Joe fan understands, you know, if they lose this game, they'll get a better draft pick. They know it as well, too. So I don't think they're 
so blind with the passion of winning every single game that I don't think it causes much of a problem in the locker room as you think it might. I don't know. I, I disagree. I, I, I agree with everything you said, but I disagree. I still think that as a player, it doesn't look good when your your head coach doesn't really seem to care whether you win or lose. And I think that was evident when Coach Shermer pulled Curtis Riley from the game after poor fucking effort. I mean, it's yeah. a couple weeks too late, but it's not as if they had the depth to do anything about it. So, right, right. You know, but I mean, I think that was evident. I think he wanted to see maximum effort from his players. And, you know, perhaps it's a little bit defensiveness with him. And, and I guess... That's a little weird, but I don't really care, I think. I, I'm not really well, here, sure. Well, here's the thing. Well, here's it this way. We're talking about, you know, I, we saw questionable coaching on both sides. To me, the worst job of coaching in this game was Garrett. Absolutely. Jason Garrett. Why? When you have basically your second team offensive line in, you have Dak Prescott playing in that game. Period. That, that game means nothing to Dallas. You know what it reminded me of, Grump? It reminded me of that game when it was it was uh, was it Mark Sanchez who was out for the year playing against the Giants in that preseason game when he was in with the third third string um, offensive uh, line. Yeah, I think and, you're right. And Rex Ryan was they asked like, why was it was he it was like, no, it was the third quarter of a preseason game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it was a third quarter, and they had like their third they had their third team offensive line and they brought him back in the game I believe. Yeah, and Marvin Marvin Austin broke his collarbone. Right. And 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 they asked uh Rex Ryan why was he even playing and he's like we were trying to win the game. Like he sounded like such an asshole for mm. you know, it, you know, I'm talking about a meaningless game in week 17, which is a regular season NFL game. That was a preseason game. Yeah, that's that's like, way dumber, boys. but yeah, I get yeah, I agree. This is really dumb too. I mean, you are, you know, You've locked up a playoff spot. You've locked up your seat. The game is completely meaningless to you. This is a dangerous league. Quarterbacks especially. They've changed the rules. they changed the way the officials interpret the rules to save the quarterbacks' lives. This league had a, a, a TV ratings drop last year, part of it because of the election, but a lot of it because a lot of the star quarterbacks were out with injury. Why are you playing him in this game? You have such a hatred for the Giants. Who gives a shit? So I don't. I don't question that Dak Prescott was playing. I question that decision when you decide to sit Tyron Smith and Zach Martin. I mean, yeah. why, why? Why are you sitting them and not him? And yeah. I, don't, I don't care. I, I heard something on the broadcast that you know was reported that Dak Prescott wanted to play the whole game. I don't give a shit. Sit down. Hey, I want to screw supermodels. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. Yeah. Well. You, know? you, you can give up the dream if you want. <laughs> uh, let me ask you another question, Grum. Going back to the Giants for a second. Okay. Um, Kyle Aletta. Yeah. He was inactive again for Week the, 17? He was active. He was active. They were both play. active, him and uh, – he actually was in on a play, I think only one, where he was split. He was split wide, and he threw a block for Shepard somebody. I think it was Shepard on an end around. Oh my God! But I mean, again, my point being, you know, this is the type of game where you would think you would get a series or two, or even a quarter, and he didn't. Do you still? I think we might touch on this in previous weeks. 
are you concerned at all or you know do you read more into the fact that you know he really didn't get any significant time other than being a blocker other than that horrible you know introduction he had in in week whenever it was i i don't know um my assumption is always once the regular season starts if guys don't show it in practice they don't make they don't make it into games and yes I, I have to assume that a guy coming from an FBS school who, you know, has some serious physical limitations that he could probably overcome if he were to get smarter, learn the offense, read his progressions, be super accurate. He's got to play smart and be accurate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that takes time. So when I say he isn't ready yet or didn't make the strides in practice, that sounds like a knock on him. I don't I don't consider it that. Being where he came from and you know what is expected from him in the leap he has to take from Richmond to the NFL, you know that's a big leap. I wouldn't expect him to get playing time in his first year. People right. make that assumption just based on Eli Manning. Kyle Aletta is a separate entity from Eli Manning. It doesn't matter how washed up Eli Manning is. Eli is healthy and can play. Kyle Aletta is not good enough to see the field in the NFL yet. That's not right. to say he won't be, but he wasn't yet. So my assumption always when he's inactive is that he's not ready. Now, I, you know, right. what we know as fans is very little. We don't get to see him. We saw him in the preseason. He looked okay against four stringers. And I stress, okay, he did not look great by any means. He looked just okay against four stringers, granted playing with four stringers. But, you know, as fans, the only other thing we know of him is that he got arrested, which is not a good yeah. look for him. Not a good look, but I think some people I've seen on Twitter trying to justify the quarterback situation were like, he's a bad character guy now. It's like, all right, guys. I'm not saying that. I, no, no, I, no, 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 you're not saying that. But I mean, I think people are taking that leap of because they don't know. They just see what they see on the news or, or yeah. something. That's quite a leap to say all of a sudden he's a bad character guy. Yeah, we and don't he has know anything. bad work ethic. We don't know. Am I concerned? No. I think, you know, had this season gone well, let's just say – Eli Manning played same statistically, right? And a couple of random things fell a different way. The Giants end up 9 and 7, which wouldn't be a stretch, you know, considering how many games were one score games. A 63-yard field goal doesn't go in. Yeah, uh, things like we that. We go to overtime, we go to overtime in the second Philly game. Thing, yeah, little This is <laughs> this record is not indicative of overall how this second half of the season turned out for the Giants. Yeah. Well, let's just say hypothetically, Eli plays the same way he played this year. Clearly, some some rough issues, a position that needs to be upgraded very soon, whether it be this offseason or next, whatever. But when they go 9-7, and seven, they make the wild card, okay? They lose first round, doesn't matter. But they were competitive, they made it to the playoffs. Are people really worried about Kyle Aletta as much? Or is this just a product of a lost season again? You know, I, I, I mean... I, I think, think that, I think it's a product of the lost season. I think if Eli Manning was 33, no one would care. I think the fact that, yeah. you know, if he has the same stats and the same but the same issues whenever there is a pass rush, he is he you know, he goes down immediately and usually with a fumble or something and you know I mean the, I mean the the mid-season chatter about Kyle Lada, why aren't we seeing him, etc. Why isn't he active as the number two? I don't think people care if we're winning games. No, 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 no. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think that's one of those things. It's like, you know, this has always been a town where Eli Manning gets the brunt of the criticism 
you know, he becomes the scapegoat. And uh, with the losing, the spotlight's going to be shining more on him, fair or not. Mm-hmm. All of his mistakes are magnified much higher, fair or not. So, and, yeah. and that's and, and when I say that, I'm not defending him. Um, it's just I think that's the perception. I think you know people trying to rush Kyle Aletta as a project. It, it's I'm trying just trying to show it's a separate issue from Eli Manning, and I think a lot of people are merging the two. Yeah. Like, why isn't Kyle Lotto active? Isn't it clear that Eli Manning is washed up? Well, they're separate things. Kyle Lotto is not active because Kyle Lotto is not good. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I brought it up originally because, again, in a week 17 when the season's over, you know, the coaching staff doesn't think he's ready to come in in garbage time even. So I just that's, that was my reason. Not that Eli was playing a good game or a bad game or he's been awful the last month or he's washed up. It was just that's an opportunity to play him, and they didn't. Well, you know, and I, the reason I mean, we, as a coach, is like we both agree that the coaches don't think he's ready at this moment to even play in that situation. There's an alternative theory. If you can dig around and find your conspiracy cranky hat, <laughs> they know this is Eli's last game and wanted him to win it. That's possible. I mean, I mean, I I don't know. It could be. But don't you feel though, if they knew that was his last game, Eli would have announced already that that was his last game. I don't think maybe he would have maybe Eli it. doesn't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they would have announced it beforehand. That's not Eli's style. Yeah. Um, but I think if Eli would have been done, I think he would have announced already because I think he is. I think he's a team guy and an organization guy, and I think that, you know, why string out a decision if he knows unless he knows? You're right, he may not know. And if he doesn't know, then I don't know if they're playing for him as his last game. It may not be his last game. Yeah, I'm, uh, I think it's Paul Schwartz from the New York Post thinks that it's his last game. Jordan Raynon reported that he took pictures with his family on the field before the game. Yeah, I saw that. But also I saw that it wasn't his whole family. It was like a couple of his kids. But like yeah. if it was his last game, don't you think Archie would have been there? Don't you think – Peyton would have been there. Like, I, been I mean, more... I, I have no opinion on the matter. I haven't really given it much thought because I, you know, I, I, it makes no difference to me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know what I gain from wondering, you know? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that as soon as he knows in his head what he's doing, he's going to tell this organization because they can get to work on, on next year. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm positive that the scouting department was at the um, whatever shitty bowl game Oregon was at. Well, I guess Herbert's not coming out. I mean, we haven't talked since that that news has come out. Yeah, I, um, I mean, yeah, we haven't talked now. We haven't, yeah, we haven't on the air talking about that. But I'm sure they've been canvassing all the bowl games and stuff. I'm sure they're going to be at the Senior Bowl watching quarterbacks and things. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's something that he's going to string along. Like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. I think there's a lot of be- there is so much behind the scenes work that goes on in an NFL team that the average fan has no idea about. Mm-hmm. That uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he's already told the organization. It just hasn't gone public yet. Who knows? Yeah, could but be. let's let's bring up another. You know, let's talk about a couple of things that you know been in the news since we have, we've talked last. And let's talk about the Justin Herbert thing. Okay. Are you surprised that he's staying for his senior year? I actually thought it was 50-50. Um, I think once they announced that his brother was going to attend this coming year, um, and I think 
I think he is part of a team next year that has a legitimate shot to be in the playoff, whereas this year he's playing with a bunch of losers as wide receivers. <laughs> um, they they had a very good recruitment class come in. They have a you know a good young core that were red shirted and things like that. Um, I thought it was fifty fifty. The downside is that I think it's a terrible decision for him for the draft because he would have been, you know, I think there would have been some debate over whether or not he's better than Dwayne Haskins. Um, but I mean, I think deep down teams would have rather have had Justin Herbert based on his volume of work. I agree. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too much, but going coming out next year where he could possibly be competing with Jake from and uh, Tua and Tua is is silly for him. Yeah, I agree um, personally. But well, also again, I, I, again, we're talking about they they might go one, two, three in order. So the difference in money he would make is I, I mean I say negligible, but you know, or he could blow out a knee. Well, yes, there, there's always that. There, yeah. Yeah. Um, again, we don't know his situation. We don't know if he's a rich boy. We don't know anything. So, mm-hmm. um, but I just thought that was – I was shocked to see, hear that. I mean, you hear it all the time. These guys are like, oh, you know, there's reports he's going to stay in next year. He loves being at, at college. He blah, 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 blah. And then when push comes to shove, it's time to make your decision by January 15th. They go pro. So that was pretty shocking to me. Um, second quarterback thing I want to kind of talk to you a little bit about is um, what do you think the Eagles going to do after this year with uh, with Foles? I, he's a free he's agent. A free this agent year. So, and I mean, do you think there's any chance that they re-sign him and they try to trade Carson Wentz? Well, I don't think and that if, happens. I, I mean, I think. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, pers- personally, I think that they just let him walk. Um, to me, I am not afraid of Nick Foles. Um, he is surrounded by a lot of talent in Eagles land. Um, I think that also they have a very good offensive line that helps them out. That helps him out a lot. Um and I think that there's – I mean, I, I I think a lot of it is coaching. I think a lot of it is defense, the talent on that team. The, the Eagles theoretically should have been the division winner. I, I, I think they're the most talented team. Um, yeah. I, I You know, to me, I think it's a risk to give him money and uh, – Trading Carson Wentz, you know, I, I don't know. I think also in order to re-sign him, um, they're gonna have to outbid some stupid organization. I think. Well, I mean, I mean, what is the the Carson Wentz? Did he ever re-sign the extension already? <laughs> no, I don't think he signed his extension yet. He he got injured literally while they were in the middle of the nego- not literally, but they were in the <laughs> middle of negotiations for that extension when he got injured. And I don't think he's seen the field since, right? No. no. But he might be available to play in the playoff game, though. I've I've heard that the fracture that he sustained, or whatever, that sounds worse than it is, but it goes, does come down to his pain tolerance yes. or something. And for me, I think the concerning thing is that he's so young. If he were like 35 and he can tolerate the pain, 
whatever, keep him because he's probably only going to play three more years anyway. But being how young he is, you know, it's now a career thing you're going to have to think about year to year. Is, you know, how much longer he can play. So I, I understand that the thinking. I get it. I just, I, I don't know. It's such a game changer when Carson Wentz is out there versus when Nick Foles is out there. I think the game plan to beat Nick Foles is, you know, comes down to containing him in the pocket and putting pressure on him, making him throw to win the game. You know, Carson Wentz, I don't think you can do that because he's so tough to tackle. He is good on the run. He can, I mean, he can make plays with his legs in addition to escaping the pocket and still keeping his eyes downfield and, th- and throwing far downfield, I might add. Um, that's the difference, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, putting on your GM hat for a minute, if Nick Foles is out there, you, if you're the Giants GM, you're not going to well, certainly not overspend for him, but would you put a play in for him, Nick no, Foles? No. I, I, here's, here's one and only one free agent that I would pursue this year at quarterback, and it's Teddy Bridgewater. The reason why is because he's the only legitimate quarterback that can make plays with his legs. And with an offensive line as terrible as it is, if you decide that you need to change quarterbacks this year, you need somebody to do that because anybody else is going to play just as poorly as Eli Manning. Anybody so else that's not, available, I will say. So you're are, you're looking at Bridgewater, and let's even throw Nick Foles into this conversation for a second, as not long-term solutions as free agents, but kind of... Well, I think Bridgewater would be... I mean, he's not... What is he, 22, 23, 24? He's 24. Four twenty-five, but he's you know that's a long-term solution. I think it comes down okay. to the health of his knee. That's it. Right, right. So that means he's an older twenty-four then. Okay, fair. Potentially. So what is he? Twenty-seven. Yeah. He's still young for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And 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 everybody, let's not judge one game you saw. I saw so much on Twitter about, well, forget about him because he looked awful in that you know that new that New Orleans game Sunday where they were obviously not paying attention, not really caring about the game. You know, well, I mean, I, I'm not worried about that. Yeah, of course. The, I mean, the, dude, the dude has bounced around uh, offenses in the middle of the year. so. Right, right. So, okay, there's some interesting, you know, some... Also, just because I think he's a legitimate guy to pursue this year doesn't mean that I would do it. I, th- I just think it is an option that I would agree with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we both still believe that Unless he decides to retire, Eli will be taking the first snap next year, regardless of who they draft or, you know, I think that's what we're, that's the way I think it's playing out as of right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, for better or worse, I mean, I, I, I will say I don't think the Giants are winning much with Eli Manning at quarterback next year, just as much as this year. I don't think they're winning much of anything next year with any quarterback. I think it's a, it's. Okay. It's a continuation of a rebuilding process. I agree, and so, that's why I think they stay with him. Because if they take Dwayne Haskins, they're going to have the same problems, and they could wait and get better quarterbacks next year. And by better, I mean legitimate, because I don't think Dwayne Haskins is going to be legitimate. I think he is a fool's gold quarterback in a bad quarterback draft. I watched the Rose Bowl today, and again, I'm not basing my entire analysis on, you know, play-by-play action of one game I saw, but uh, I liked his arm. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing people do like. Yeah, I mean, I, he had the mobility, too. I mean, he's not going to run around like a maniac, but you know, he's not a statue back there, either. Uh-huh. Um, he's, he's also surrounded by, you know, probably the 
second or third most talented roster in college football yeah. in Ohio State. Yep. But I, you know, I don't, I would not trade up. Exactly. That's that's the difference. But if you know we something? were if we were picking at one, that's one thing. But once you start having to give up extra resources for a guy, I don't agree with it. But there's a pretty decent chance he might still be there at six, based upon who's drafting ahead of us, based upon what their needs are, that based upon what other draft boards value best available players. I seriously doubt it. You there's think a chance? See, you, sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean I we, we think, think Oakland is moving on from Derek Carr. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I would think in a perfect world they would, but, you know, again, they're going to absorb the hit of moving on from him. I mean, I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's owed a lot of money still. He still has, he's a big-time contract. But, you I, know, mean, also, I don't know the specifics of the dead cap hit. But. Right, but um, it's not as easy as just saying they're moving on from him. Well, I mean, the, all indications were pointing that way by the middle of the year this year. Yeah, but we're also, you know, teams like Jacksonville. Yeah. You know, Denver yep. is lurking out there. I mean, there are teams that do need a quarterback yep. probably more desperately than we do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the question is going to be, are they, you know, are they willing to give up lots of draft picks or lots of, you know, things to, to move up and move ahead of us? But if he's around at six for some reason, I would take him. Well, we haven't gotten into our draft coverage, so I don't want to go too much yeah. into it. I would take him or not, but I would definitely. Yeah. That's a different conversation. My my thinking right. is that he's gone by about three or four. Um, it's been a long time since the consensus top quarterback was not drafted in the top three or four. Yeah, and, and we once we get onto our draft shows, we'll even make that call if we think he even is the top quarterback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that may not be the you know. You, we've seen it every single year. Guys skyrocket up, guys fall back. So yeah, and that and to be frank, this is sort of what this is what my weeks are going to be looking like for the next couple of months. Um, so as the giant season officially ends, our episodes are going down to one a week um, every Tuesday morning, for the most part, unless something pops up or whatever. But uh, Tuesday mornings, we will have our recap of you know playoff weekend. And we'll sort of go over, you know, Giants news as it comes up um, and sort of state of the roster things uh, yeah. and coaching. We have, plenty of, we have plenty of time between now and the draft necessarily. We can kind of go back and we can review each of the position uh, position groups, you know, what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't like. If we would, you know think it's a short-term or a long-term fix that needs to be done there, and we can segue into our draft coverage and free agent uh, preview. And we have a lot of time to cover all this stuff. So, Yeah, we I, I mean, we do a lot of work between now and the Super Bowl um, film watching and things like that. Uh, but for, for those who have joined onto the podcast and have not heard those episodes from last offseason or the offseason before, what we do is uh, we have a position group we go over what the Giants roster is, you know, how badly it needs to be upgraded in which spots. You know, obviously we do linebackers as a collective, um, you know, things like that, guards, tackles, mm-hmm. uh, and we address the Giants roster, who's there. Then we kind of address who's lurking in free agency that are targets, and then we address, you know, 
uh, draft picks, and we kind of do some top end guys and then some middle guys. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if that's a thing that we can decrease priority or something like that. So right, we right. we do them as a position group throughout uh, on a week to week basis until the draft itself. And I think beforehand we just do like a quick predictions episode, right? Right. Yeah. 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 We'll do. We'll throw out all different bunch of scenarios. Like, hey, Haskins is still there, or mm-hmm. someone's still there. So let's see. You know, would you take him? Yes or no? You know, would you? You know, the opportunities. If uh, Denver comes to calling me, would you make a deal? What would be worth it? We'll do all sorts of things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that's what's uh, kind of what the month of January is going to look like uh, all the way up to April. Right. So let's let's do this real quick. Uh, since we now are dropping back to weekly, you know, playoff predictions for this weekend. We have a, I think, four pretty exciting games. I'm pretty excited about this uh, slate of games. Well, the Cowboys benefit from playing the Seahawks at home, mm-hmm. um, and I think that might actually give them the edge to win because I was not all that impressed with Seattle this year, and. Uh, had they played in Seattle, I would say they'd have the edge to win. But now I think it, I'm leaning pretty heavily in Dallas's favor. I feel like Seattle, I'm going to put in, in uh, air quotes, peaked a little early. And I think people were so itching to jump on a Seattle bandwagon that really wasn't there that, uh, you know, I think they're a bit of, if you take them a little bit of fool's gold, I think, I think Dallas will win this one as well. Yeah. Um, flipping over to the AFC it's it's really hard to say with with the Texans because they've won so many games and yet don't look that impressive but i mean they're 11 and 5 one of those win one of those losses was against the giants which was a little baffling because i think the giants had the lead that entire game but i think the the deciding factor for me here is even though this is being played at Houston the Indianapolis Colts are on a hot streak, and I don't see them letting up anytime soon. I think they've really gelled that offensive line at the right time. They've all sort of figured it out, um, and th- I think they look really good. I think they go in there and they whoop Texas. I completely agree, and I think if the matchup works out, that they would play New England the following week, I think they can give New England a lot of problems. Yeah, I agree with that too. Mm-hmm. Um, back over to the NFC. I would be really surprised if Philadelphia has any sort of success against um, Chicago in Chicago. I agree. Uh, it could be cold and crappy there. I've been there in December when it's unpleasant, you know, uh, conditions to play a football game. And you know, if Folds if Folds has to play again, you know, I, I don't believe in well, it happened last year, it'll happen again this year. It's going to be something he's going to have to prove it to me every single week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, going against, you know, which probably is the best defense in the NFL, go ahead and prove that to me. I'll take Chicago. Yeah. Um, and for the record, I don't know that the weather really is a disservice to either team. I think they're both pretty good at running the ball. Mm-hmm. Um. I think the most interesting matchup is probably the Chargers and the Ravens, though. Um, the Ravens have pretty much rode on the backs of their defense this year. Oh, absolutely. And I think Lamar Jackson has given them a, a nice spark in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, in the last, yeah. But he's still a rookie. 
Yes, he's still a rookie. There's not a whole lot of what I would consider firepower on the offense. They're still a little shoddy. You know, it's if I were a fan of Baltimore, I would be worried about the offense on a week-to-week basis. Excited mm-hmm. at the prospect of the ceiling of Lamar Jackson, but that's about it. Um, yeah, I feel like everything you're getting out of him today is just, you know, this year is just bonus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, Chargers do have to go east. And yeah, but I, I I do also think they've been playing out of their minds. This is I think this might be Philip Rivers' last hurrah if they end up winning the Super Bowl, which they have an actual shot of for the first time, I think, in his career. I mean, the two L.A. teams had a combined 25 wins. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not absurd to think it could be an all-L.A. Super Bowl and no one in the city caring. <laughs> so of the, the four teams with first-week buys, who do you believe in the least? Who do you believe in the most? The teams with the buys. Yep. I still believe in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure I... I'm a hundred percent believer in the Rams. Mm-hmm. I think I need Jared Goff to prove to me that he can carry a team against high quality competition two weeks in a row to get to a Super Bowl. I'm not there yet. I get it that Gurley's one of the, you know, five best offensive players in the league. I get they have a good defense, but when you get into these playoff games, you need your quarterback to play and to execute and be consistent. And I don't know if, you know, I, 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 I'm I still amazed at how well he's been playing relative to the day he was drafted. I think he was the first overall pick. But, again, I have to see it to believe it. Because he was pretty wretched in the playoffs last year, right? That playoff game? The one game they played, right? Yeah, yeah he was terrible. Yeah. So, I don't know. I One of the things I think I've, I have, kind of like Nick Foles, show me every week. I think Jared Goff has to show me every week, too. You know, I I think if I had to pick a team I believed in the most and a team I believed in the least, I think the most, I believe, um, is the New Orleans Saints. And I think it has a lot to do with Drew Brees and Sean Payton. I think their home field advantage of all four of those teams is the strongest. Um, And... uh, They're just not playing the same as they were, you know, a month ago. Yeah, I I agree with that. The offense is kind of slowed down. Um, you know they they played some good teams, yeah. but they just you know five weeks ago it was like this might be the best team in football. I don't know if I feel that right now. Well, I mean, I, I just feel more strongly about them than I do New England this year. Um, I, oh yeah, I, Kansas City is the only one that really gives a run for money because I agree with everything you said about LA, um, particularly golf because. You know, it we've we've seen it now that a lot of Goff's great play comes down to them getting to the line of scrimmage early enough for McVeigh to be in Goff's ear and read the defense for him. Uh huh. Um, and you know that's not ideal. Uh, right. But Kansas City for me, I mean, there's something about Andy Reid just falling apart when it matters. That's true. That's and, very uh, true. And it, it's consistent. I mean. If this were, you know, I'm not trying to be a hater or anything like that. It just, it's something that seems to happen with him all the time. I mean, last year it was in the middle of the year. They looked like a great team. And then all of a sudden they had, going into their bye, I think two straight losses. And then they played us and they played, we had no business being in that game. Right. And Right. Yeah, I mean, they, and it just is, you know, his brain cramps in playoff games are legendary. Mm-hmm. You know, his 
Clock management late in games, playoff or otherwise, is pretty terrible. You know, it's he does a good job of game planning, but you know, as a game coach, a little scary. I would I would also put New England as a team I just don't have any confidence in either. I mean, yeah. again, they have all of the benefit of playing the AFC East every year. Every year. Tenth year in a row they win the division. It's a cakewalk and you can accumulate a lot of wins in that division. Although, you know, Buffalo is starting to show some signs of not being terrible anymore. Late in the year this year. Yeah, I mean, Miami's, uh, you know, they're starting over again with another head coach, and so are the Jets. Yep. So, you know, and also, Tom Brady is looking like he's 41 years old. Finally. So, this run of just 11 wins every year, and I'll I'll see you the second week in January, is going to come to an end, but... I just don't fear them right now. No, I mean, they don't they don't have really any weapons, you know, and Brady being so pedestrian now. You could see a team like a Baltimore going in there with a good defense or, you know, any one of these teams in winning. Well, I sure. brought it up a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Tom Brady and the entire offense looked like garbage against the Titans. And that's yeah. not to say the Titans are a slouch. I think that's the point. I think they came in with a good defense and there was just no answer. Um, they're not number, good enough. A number two seed in the conference shouldn't be eh against Tennessee. I don't know. It's it's going to be a wild weekend. I think. Yeah, you're right. This is this is this is a playoff worth watching, despite the fact that the Giants are not in it. Um, I'm not a major hockey fan. I'm certainly not a baseball fan. So, <laughs> well, it's a good thing because there's no baseball for 85 days. So well, I mean, you're good on that point. <laughs> yeah. Some people actually enjoy. Uh, Spring training and stuff. Hot stove league, yeah. But be sure to uh, follow us on Twitter because the the Black Monday stuff has already happened, and from here on out, it's going to be kind of random when news hits. So um, there is where you'll get the immediate responses from the Cranky Fan and myself. And on Twitter, I'm at football underscore grump. I am always on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. Lots to talk about, obviously, with the playoffs and giant news. And catch my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan. We discuss all things Florida Gators. We can talk about your 2019, I guess 2018 Peach Bowl champion, Florida Gators, destroying Michigan this past week. So that's a lot of fun. So if you're really interested in that, check out my companion podcast. Both podcasts are on SoundCloud and you can download, subscribe there. You can subscribe on iTunes. Once I get the link fixed, you can actually hear it again. But So it doesn't hurt to subscribe to it. You can get a bunch of nothingness until it actually works again. And once it does work again, we will let you know immediately. Yeah, and you know, for, for guys who are in full draft mode, there are some draftable candidates coming out of Florida that would pique some giant fan interest. We will try to get the grump. I got to work on scheduling to get the grump on a crossover podcast with Mark and myself. We can talk about, uh, you know, some Florida Gators that are draft worthy, some that shouldn't be draft worthy, some assessments of maybe some SEC players. So we're working on getting that uh, scheduled. So mm-hmm. yeah. And um, in case there, you know, for for people who have only just joined on, we do. Um, sometimes for major news breaks, like if Eli Manning were to announce that he is retiring or the Giants were to cut him, um, we do have emergency broadcasts. And the way you find <laughs> out about those is by following the podcast on Twitter at Just Giants Pod.
There's also a huge alarm signal and a big bat uh, light that goes off over the city, so you know if it's time for the, you know, for an emergency podcast. It's a big listen. blue explosion, you mean? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, stay tuned over the next couple of weeks. We'll we'll see you next week, and uh, go Giants! Go Giants! <laughs>